This is MC Fireside Chats, a weekly show devoted to the outdoor hospitality industry, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. You'll hear from special guests that focus on topics to help your business succeed, all backed by Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of MC Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Searle with Insider Perks. Here, as always, with nobody except Susan. This is going to be a great, fun show. For everybody who started watching right now, tune out. Because what's basically going to happen here is all of our special guests are in Ottawa for meetings with the RV industry. So all of our regular people on this RV industry show just happen to all be sitting in board meetings right now doing much more important things than talking to me on this show. But then also we had three special guests booked, two of those asked to reschedule, and one of the other ones woke up with a cold this morning. So it's literally just me and Susan. And so we didn't really have a whole plan on what to talk about today or what to cover or anything like that. So I think what I'm going to do today is, and I've asked Susan for her blessing on this, right? She's going to contribute to this. I think we're going to take a beginner level dive and then very quickly move into advanced stuff with some of these new AI tools. So if that interests you, stick around. It is gonna be related to the RV industry a little bit, to the campground industry, obviously, but we really don't have a lot of other options here at the last minute. So this is something that I'm very familiar with and very passionate about, but I also really believe that it's going to help you as an owner or as an RV dealer or whoever, right? Whoever you are in the RV industry or just a person in general, I think you're going to find ways to shortcut your workflows, to be more efficient, and it's going to really open your eyes and blow your mind about some of the things that are possible today. And we're not just talking about ChatGPT. We're going to cover a bunch of other tools as well. Hopefully, I can just make all this up on the fly, Susan. And yeah, get this. No preparation, but I'm basically going to share my screen, and we're going to walk through some of these tools here. And if you guys have any questions, please feel free to put them in the chat window. And then I'll try to pay attention to them and we'll see what we can do and go for from there. So let me flip over here and share my screen. And I've got a cold too. So hopefully my, the brain fog and the cold medicine just, oh, is with the spring colds? I don't know. I, it's really weird. I haven't been sick in a long time. My dog got up on the couch by herself. That's like a record. Yeah, uh, I flew over the weekend. So that was probably what happened. I hope you feel better. Okay, so here's what I've got started set in front of me. This is my whole ChatGPT window here. So the first thing is I, I want to just take a minute and explain what this is. And we're going to play a couple videos here against my better judgment because we're probably going to get copyright blacklisted or whatever, right, on YouTube for playing audio or something like that. But I think it's important for us to start on what ChatGPT actually is. And so for that, I'm going to go to ChatGPT itself and show you one of the possibilities of ways that you can disseminate and learn information a whole lot easier, right? So if you go to a new chat here, and again, I'm, we'll get into all this plus and stuff later, right? But I'm just gonna ask it a question. What is ChatGPT? And they explain it to me so a fifth grader can understand 
can't use an analogy, right? So some of this you have to do. Like, well, this is helpful for yeah. me. Like, when I, I want to learn quantum computing one day, not how to actually do it, but to understand the method behind it, right? And so I would use something like this too. Yeah. So it just depends on what you're doing. So here's what we've got. It says ChatGPT is like a really smart robot friend that can talk to you and help you with many things. Imagine having a super-powered helper that can answer your questions, give you advice, or help you with your homework. Oh. <laughs> homework, but I do. It's just, yeah, it's different. Anyway, but think of it like this. Imagine your brain is full of library books, or is a library full of books, and each book has information about different things. ChatGPT's brain is like an enormous library, much bigger than yours, with millions of books inside. This giant library helps ChatGPT understand what you're saying and give you the best answers it can. But remember, even though ChatGPT is super smart, it is still just a machine and might make mistakes. So always double check the information and think for yourself, just like you would do with a friend's advice. I think that's a pretty good explanation. I like that. I really like that. So hopefully that helps you guys understand at a base level what ChatGPT is. And so to get it and to access it. All you have to do is go to this website, openai.com, and we'll, maybe I can stick it in the chat here for people. We'll do that in a little bit. Let me see, chatai.com. Go, hopefully that goes to all the different social networks there that we can comment on. So openai.com, you can sign up for a free account at OpenAI. When you do that, it is going to log you in to this page right here. Sorry, I guess I have to log in first, right? And you're going to be dumped on this somewhat confusing account. Yeah. And I've had people tell me when I signed up for an account, how do I actually access it? <laughs> yeah, I get confusing. The, the answer is you can click on chat here and that will actually not do the right thing. Sorry, click on playground at the top here. Yeah. And then you can click for, and then here's looking for chat GPT, try it now, or you can just go to, I think it's chat.openai.com and it will make you log in. So ultimately, this is the screen that you want to get to. And when you get to it, you're on the left-hand side. Everything is going to be blank for you. You can see some of the things that I've done here. Maybe some I want to share. Maybe I don't, but it's live for the world. It's all good. But the ideas from my girlfriend, she actually saw that. It would be really cool. We were trying to do weird, extravagant, crazy. What's fruit? Yeah. Um, but so this is what you're going to end up on, right? You're just going to see literally a black or a white page, depending on your theme. And you're going to be able to talk to it. And that's all you have to do. Now, I want to preface this by saying one of the biggest things that we've seen and we continue to see when you deal with things like what we're going to talk about today, as well as ChatGPT, is we as a society for the last 24 years have been really dumbed down when it comes to interacting with the internet. And what I mean by that is we've had to and been forced to go to Google and not type complete sentences because Google doesn't understand it. We've had to shorten everything we say down into campground near Phoenix or RV dealer near San Antonio, right? This is just not the way that we would normally talk as a human being to a voice assistant or to a friend or to a person of any kind. 
And sometimes it doesn't come back with what you're really looking for because you put it in the wrong order or it misinterprets it. Yeah. So that's fascinating to me because we'll get to that later when we dive into Bing search a little bit and the upgrades that they have with AI. But that was one of the things that they highlighted in their presentation for Bing search was that only 50% of search queries actually get answered, which was astonishing to me. It is great. As powerful as search has become, it really still hasn't evolved in 24 years and it isn't as useful as we need it to be. But that's, this is one of the problems that the early, early adopters of AI are going to have. Maybe not the early adopters, early people who try to use it who aren't as familiar with it, right? And that is that you can type a keyword in here. So you can say something like write a blog article about pick a topic, Susan. Campfires. <laughs> okay. There we go. So then it's going to come in here and it's going to write title, the magic of campfires, a journey into the heart of nature. And then we're not going to read this whole thing, but let's just read a couple sentences, right? There's something magical about sitting around the campfire, watching the flames dance and listening to the crackling of the wood as it burns. Whether you're camping in the great outdoors or simply enjoy a backyard fire pit, campfire has the power to bring people together create lasting memories and connect us to the natural world. And this blog post will explore the allure of campfires, share some tips for building and enjoying a safe campfire and delve into the cultural significance of this ancient tradition. So again, this is at face value. Even if you only type it this way in that short of a sentence, write a blog article about campfires, you're going to get an article that is probably at the same level as a mediocre writer. And I don't want to lump anybody into the mediocre standpoint, right? But let's just pretend, for example, that we use Fiverr as an example. The difference between a $5 blog post and a $20 or a $50 blog post, right? And certainly there are some excellent writers who charge less for blog posts. But So this is, at its surface, right, something that a lot of people might just take and copy-paste onto their blog. And you can't. For the most part, this is not going to plagiarize. You should obviously check and make sure. But for the most part, it is going to reorder the words and create something that's original and unique, whether it's high quality, whether it has good grammar, whether it's fact-checked is a whole different story, but you could at surface level, copy and paste this into a blog post. And then you have something that is about the magic of campfires or whatever it decided, right? You could write this thing again and it might choose something different, right? Different subject lines to do or whatever else. So no two generations are it's, ever going to be the same. It's still going. I, I, I would never think there's this much about what they did. It's still going. So it's interesting. So then let me show you what you can do then with some more. Let's actually hold off on that. We'll hold off on the advanced prompting, right? But so this is an example. You can write a blog post. But as you heard it explained in the fifth grader thing, it has a whole library of knowledge, which means that you can use it for absolutely anything you want to use it for or any question. So one of the examples I'll frequently give when we're presenting to either boards of directors about AI or large companies or things like that is we will come in here and we'll use an example of something that is very relatable to them as a, a management company for a campground, right? Let's just pretend that's an example. We're going to just do a new chat here. And when you do a new chat, by the way, it basically resets the memory of ChatGPT. If you continue in the same window, it will remember what it has written above and allow you to either refine it or change it or have a conversation with it. 
So you could, I'm not going to type it, but you could say change the last sentence to this and it would rewrite the blog post right. and follow your instructions. You can tell it to shorten it. I'm sorry, what? You can tell it to shorten it. Or yeah, shorten it. Forth, you want it to be, yeah. All kinds. After work with it until you get your final product. Yeah, it's really interesting. We'll go back down through here and maybe if we need to kill time later and we'll talk about some of the things that, that I've done with it in the past. Like probably don't even remember how it goes so back so long. But so let's pretend, let's start with your campground management company as a use case. Then we'll move into a use case briefly for campground owners. And then we'll talk about maybe somebody from the RV industry and a way that they might use it. There's a very brief examples, right? So let's say I am a campground management company and I, I am a management, let's just say a third, RV management company for campgrounds. I am looking to increase my portfolio of parks that I manage. What are some strategies I can take to make myself more visible to potential campground owners who might hire me? or build up my brand so they notice. And then again, see how I'm prompting this thing. I'm not just saying I'm a third-party management of campgrounds. Give me some ideas. The longer you write and talk to it like a human, the better result you're going to get from it. So build my brand so they notice me. Let's think about this step by step and give me five ideas. And the more specific you are, the more specific of a result you're going to get. So frequently you'll hear people say, it's all generic. It all comes out, whatever, bland. It's the same repetitive thing. That's because you're not prompting it correctly. It really is that. So here's an example. I'm a third-party management company. Let's see what we got. So we've got build a strong online presence, create a professional and user-friendly website that showcases your services, experience, and success stories of campgrounds you've managed, your portfolio section, et cetera else. Utilize search engine optimization. Got engaged with potential clients and social media platforms. So good advice there. Sharing informative content, industry news, obviously from modern campground, right? And updates about your company. Consider creating a company blog to share tips and insights related to campground management. Good advice so far. Attend industry events and trade shows. So participate in trade shows, conferences, and industry events related to camping. Consider sponsoring or hosting workshops or seminars at these events. Offer free consultations or audits. Very good advice. Leverage partnerships and referrals. So build partnerships with industry associations, suppliers, and other businesses. These can help you gain access to a broader network of potential clients. And then what is our fifth option? Invest in targeted advertising and marketing. So use targeted advertising and marketing campaigns to reach campground owners who may be interested in your services. So this is... Really good advice from my perspective. And so again, this is not necessarily a boom, I'm going to copy paste this. This is my strategy. This is exactly what I'm going to do. But this is a starting point for you to instead of spending how many countless hours on Google researching and reading blogs and clicking and going back frustrated, that blog didn't have what you need, changing the keyword in your search and going to page 20. And this is your answer. Yeah. This saves you dozens and dozens of hours of different things. Now, not every strategy here is going to work for you, but you're probably going to get an idea of what you want to do. 
a great starting point. Think about it. You know, what's the hardest thing of doing some of this stuff is how you start it. Exactly. And, get, yeah. and getting all that starting information, like you said, it may not apply to you in some aspects, but you could take this and now you've got the groundwork to to tweak it and change it for what you're looking for. But then remember, you can have a follow-up conversation with it too. So yep. you can say, I've looked at these five. I've got my online presence taken care of. I do offer free consultations. I've leveraged partnerships and referrals. I'm investing in advertising. But wait, I didn't consider maybe industry events and trade shows. So tell me more about number two. And it knows its conversation history. And it's going to tell you attending industry events and trade shows is a valuable strategy for increasing visibility. Here are some additional details and tips for making the most of this strategy. And then it will again further ideate for you. So research the relevant events, consider both local and national events, as well as virtual events that may have become more popular in recent years. Plan your participation, determine how you want to participate in each event. Options may include attending as a visitor, exhibiting as a vendor, sponsoring the event, or presenting as a speaker. Design an eye-catching booth. It's a little slow today. Network and engage with people. Use them as an opportunity to network with campground owners, operators, and other industry professionals. Be proactive in starting conversations and introducing yourself. Like it even, this is very detailed. And you can even ask it again. We could go another step further and say, give me more on number three because I'm an introvert, right? And give me some tips on how to, I don't normally talk to people or walk up to them. So what are some ways I can overcome, not necessarily my fear, but just that tendency to not do that at industry events or whatever you want to ask about. And then present or host workshops, follow up after the event, and then stay informed and evolve or stay informed and involved about industry events and plan your participation. I'm gonna have to take some drinks here because I'm not used to talking this much. Thanks a lot, yeah. It's great stuff. It's like they say, it's revolutionary. It really is. Yeah, and it's gonna fundamentally change all of society. It already is. And what's gonna happen is the people who are able to take advantage of this stuff and prompt it correctly, talk to it correctly, are the people who are gonna win. And so this is conversations, right, we had with for example, our lawyer, I went to, not my lawyer, but I ended up calling somebody about a patent a couple of weeks ago and I hadn't talked to them in years. They're back in Ohio where I don't live anymore, but I was having a conversation with them and I said, this isn't going to replace lawyers. What this is going to do is change which lawyers are successful and put the other ones out of business. And so it's a very simple analogy you can think of like this. If you have two law firms and we'll just pick a city and say San Antonio, right? And two friends both need the same legal thing issue done, right? I need an NDA contract for my company. So one of them goes to law firm A, one of them goes to law firm B. Law firm A does not use ChatGPT or AI tools. And typically, as has been the case for lawyers for, and I'm not insulting anybody, but their workload is high, right? They submit and pay, and then they get their contract NDA back in two weeks or three weeks or however long it takes that firm to analyze and research and get back to it and hire a paralegal and write it, right? And then, so that's John. And then here over here at the other law firm that does use ChatGBT pays the same price or maybe even cheaper and gets his result in two days. Peter's going to come over to John 
And he's going to say, what are you still waiting for, buddy? I have my NDA back. Are you ready to go? And then John's going to be like, this is unbelievable. I'm going to the other law firm where you're at so I can have it done in two days. And that's what's going to change. The lawyers and the accountants and the marketers and the people who can use this stuff correctly are going to be able to move so much faster than everyone else. It's going to be unbelievable. Yeah. And how... There's got to be a person behind it fact-checking. You can't just ask it for something in the legal field or anything else like that. You could, that yeah. the, it writes it down, and that's where, like you said, the lawyer goes over it, make sure it's correct. And um, So this is the interesting part, right? Yes, it absolutely needs fact-check. But still, it shortcuts for those law firms the ability. All yep. they have to do is fact-check now. Yep. So that's why it's not instant. There's not a generator. You're going to take two right. days to get it back. But even the fact-checking piece is going to change soon. So let me show you this. I was showing my team this morning. This is where I'll probably just get flagged. I mean, you can't believe what's in here. You're not a lawyer. So you can try to write it yourself, but you don't know if it's, you know, what's true, what's not true. Is in. So you oh, no. definitely need a professional to fact-check things. And, and but so it, this is interesting to you. Oh, right? I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry. Why not say this is interesting to me because this is a reason that people will say, I'm not using AI because it lies and it makes stuff up. And it absolutely does. It does. Sometimes, mostly with facts and dates, but it's gotten a lot better than that with the new model GPT-4 they released. But here's the thing. When was Google ever good? When could you ever just Google and decide, oh, it's in Google at number two, so that's 100% true. I'll just copy, right? Yeah. Well, they... Well, yeah, they make versions about, oh, yeah, I, I learned it online. It must be true. So now um, this has changed. You still no. need to be a responsible adult and fact check what you're reading. Yeah. It's just in a different interface and it's giving you the result a whole lot quicker. So Correct. I want to show you this real quick. And this is probably going to get me flagged. We're going to do it. This is Greg Rockman recently, a couple of days ago, gave a TED talk. And we're not going to watch the whole thing, obviously. But just a couple of highlights of this thing where, where we were talking about fact checking and then we'll come back to it in a little bit, right? But so this is a preview of something they're building. And actually, I should preface this by saying, let me share this tab over here. So up at the top here, you can see I'm on ChatGPT Plus subscription, which means I pay for it at 20 bucks a month, which is an absolute steal for what they're giving you still. If you don't want to pay for it for free and if you pay or have it for free. And if you pay for it, you get access to GPT-4, which is their new model. But also, if you are a developer, then you can apply to be on a wait list and get early access to what they're calling plugins. And plugins is even going to change the game further. I don't know if you've seen this here. Yeah, my son's a beta tester. Yeah, so that's what I... Exactly. Yes, exactly. So you get to go in before other people do. But what this is basically is an app store for ChatGPT. And this is going to flip the economy of all the things, and this is obviously my opinion, but all the things in the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store that you download to your phone, other than games, there's literally going to be no need to have anything on your phone from an app store again in a few years, and maybe even sooner than that. And here's why. And then I'll show you the demo and the, you'll be set up for what he's going to show you. This plugin store here is very early. Like they just released this, I think at the end of March, but there are hundreds and hundreds of apps already being developed for this. And as soon as they approve them and release them, 
which they're going to do in the coming weeks, fast. You're going to see all this stuff in here. But here are the initial partners. So you've got Kayak. You've got Expedia. Big names, right? Instacart. I think on the next page, there's, yeah, Wolfram Alpha, the online dictionary, open table where you can reserve restaurants. Okay. So what this actually does is this allows you to use natural language. So typing, just like we did, right? And execute things on the internet. Like this will do tasks for you. So let's come here and show you an example. We'll see. This is again in beta. So I don't know if this is going to work, but we're going to choose our Instacart plugin, which for those of you who don't know is a grocery delivery service. And I'm going to say, I want to have a vegan meal. I want to have a stir fry vegan meal. Wow, I can't spell today, can I? Stir fry vegan meal for dinner. The ingredient I need my cart. Cart. See if this works. So it's going to give you the recipe first, and then I think it's going to use Instacart after that. But it's going to give you an actual recipe, and it's pretty spot on with some of its recommendations. Because again, it knows the whole library of all the books of all the internet. And so it has the ability to share that stuff with you. So let's let it finish here. Yep, Would you like me yep. to add these ingredients to your Instacart shopping list? Thinking, and then you can see it's using its tool that is access to, it's actually using Instacart. And it's gonna come back to us in a second. Dennis. And it's pretty nice because for anybody who cooks or bakes and stuff, you go over your recipe and then you have to add it to your list. And here you just say, I want to make this meal. Add put, it to Instacart. Add it to my Instacart and it gives you the recipe and everything you need and it's in your Instacart and you don't have to think about it again until it arrives and then you have to make it. So here's your, yeah, here's your thing, right? So here's your Instacart shopping recipe. So we're going to click this and I'm going to share this tab instead with you. And you can see it's taking me to Instacart here. And this is my little local zip code. So here's your ingredients. And you can just click add 10 items to your cart and check out. But it also gives you this visual interface here. So you can change and say, oh, I want more broccoli flora. I want more bell peppers. And it's done. Everything you need to make a stir fry is here. It's decided to put tofu in it for your recipe, carrots, red onions, agave nectar. Here's your soy sauce, everything else. And then other things you may already have as suggested by Instacart. And then you can choose your store. So TNT Supermarket. No, I want Real Canadian Superstore. That's going to go out and look for the same things there. And this is all Instacart at this point, right? But that's it. So the idea is this thing is going to have the tools for you to do this with all of these apps that are in here. So Expedia, it can search for pricing on trips. Same thing with Kayak. And you're going to have the ability to do this with hundreds of different things. You're, eventually, you're going to be able to log in to your bank account if you want to and connect all of your apps that you would on an iPhone or an Android or whatever right here. It will be private. You'll be able to log in, right? And then you'll be able to say, ask a question about anything. How much money do I have left in my bank account? And is that enough to get me to Friday when I get my normal paycheck? And do I have enough money then to buy this recipe from Instacart? stay within my budget when you're at it. And it'll do it all. It'll perform multiple tasks in a row. You won't be asking Siri or Alexa anymore or anything. I mean, it's all going to be run by this. You'll just tell them. That's the interesting part. And let's get to that in a second. 
because okay. you're right okay. about Siri and Alexa, but you're also wrong, I think. Okay. So well, let's do this. So let me go back here. So I'm going to show you this fact check thing. And what he's using here to do this fact check is, and it's on a journalism article, right? But it applies to anything you want to fact check, is they also have a new plugin coming that will let ChatGPT browse the internet. So it uses Bing Search's API and can get real-time information and actually browse, list websites, click the websites, read the websites, extract the information, and actually have up-to-date information. So this is what this looks like. I'm sure we'll maybe get banned from this, but we'll see. This for me. Now, in this case, I've actually given the AI a new tool. This one is a browsing tool where the model can issue search queries and click into web pages. And it actually writes out its whole chain of thought as it does it. It says, I'm going to search for this. And it actually does the search. It then it finds the publication date in those search results. It then is issuing another search query. It's going to click into the blog post. And all of this you could do, but it's a very tedious task. It's not a thing that humans really want to do. It's much more fun to be in the driver's seat, to be in this manager's position where you can, if you want, triple check the work and outcome citations. So you can actually go and very easily verify any piece of this whole chain of reasoning. And it actually turns out two months was wrong, two months in one week. Mm -hmm. That was correct. So you can see when you can access the internet, then you can access up-to-date real-time information. And that's just one example of what you can do for it, but it'll go out and it'll use the similar thing to you. You would fact check on Google, right? It will use Bing chat. And I'll show you a when we get to Bing chat in a second. So we'll do that. But here's the same example, right? I'm going to show you something else here with image generation that we're going to move on to in a second. But you can see that ChatGPT is selecting all these different tools. Here's the same thing. He's using Instacart, right? To add to the shopping cart, just like I showed you. And then it gives him a shopping list and he goes through that. We're not going to duplicate all that. And then I think it is in image generation here. It might've been before Instacart. I think this is it. For example, if you're shown a math problem, the only way to actually come. Oh, sorry. I think it was before that. If I can't find it in a second. And the interesting thing about these tools is they're very inspectable. So you get this little pop-up here that says. There it is. So this is an unreleased plugin that even I don't have access to yet that he's demoing on stage. And draw a picture. For those of you who haven't seen it, have you heard of Dolly, Susan? What? So Dolly. It's really poor image generation right now, in my opinion. Midjourney is better. But he's showing an updated example that they haven't released to the public yet. So check out what you're going to be able to do through a plugin here soon. F. And you can do things like ask, suggest a nice host Ted meal and draw a picture of it. Now you get all of the sort of ideation and creative back and forth and taking care of the details for you that you get out of chat GPT. And here we go. It's not just the idea for the meal, but very detailed spread. So let's see what we're going to get. But ChatGPT doesn't just generate images in this case. Sorry, it doesn't generate text. It also generates an image. And that is something that really expands the power of what it can do on your behalf in terms of carrying out your intent. And I'll point out, this is all a live demo. This is all generated by the AI as we speak. So I actually don't even know what we're going to see. This looks wonderful. So you can see the power of these tools, right? It, they'll be able to generate images. They'll be able to do literally anything an app store can do. Some of the things we're looking at from a modern campground perspective is can we feed our articles into it? Can we feed information about specific campgrounds into it so that 
it has updated and accurate information about what amenities we offer in the cabins, right? To reach a larger audience of potential people. And those things are eventually going to come to Bing too. So you can feed it into search. Now, before I flip over to Bing real quick, Susan, I want to address your Alexa question real quick. Yeah. You're right. Alexa and Siri and Google Assistant are dumb as bricks compared to what you're looking at as far as conversational AI. They're not even AI. They're just pre-programmed to hear a specific word, respond with a specific thing, which is why everybody hates chatbots on websites because they don't work. But eventually, and I don't honestly, other than cost, I have no idea what's holding Microsoft up from doing this, but they're going to release a voice interaction that you can talk to this with. And the same thing you can type in that, the box, we'll flip back to the box, the same thing you can type in this box, you're going to be able to speak to eventually a speaker in your house, to your watch, to your phone, to your car, to your TV, to your whatever, like to your refrigerator, to what it's going to be everywhere. And it's going to be actually helpful. And the amount of things that people can do with it, it's unbelievable. You could speculate forever, right? But that's when the mass adoption is really going to hit people and it's going to come fast. It's going to be in every corner of your life. If you are a child today in school, oh. you will never spend a day of your life without AI by your side. Ever. Isn't that crazy? Think about that. You know, how far we've come from since when we were kids and it was a dial-up phone with the rotary and party lines, and maybe not party lines. I knew some people that hit party lines. All of you walked out of the house and you were gone. Nobody can find you or get a hold of you. Now, the kids these days will have a constant companion. Constant. Yeah. And that's that's the knowledge they can have and what they can do with it. And that's why the colleges are a little bit scared of it because there's a lot of articles out there saying, oh, people can cheat and stuff like that. And yeah, to some extent, yeah, I can have them write me an article on Puckton and the book and all that kind of stuff. But I think a lot of what people are saying now is, okay, it's coming. How can you get around it and how can you use that? I actually saw saw a fascinating article about education on this months ago when it first came out. But there was actually a professor in a college, can't remember where, but it was one of the early adopters of this. And instead of allowing, not just allowing ChatGPT in his classroom, he made it mandatory for all the students to have it open on their laptops. And what he did was actually really mind-blowing. He actually had... The students, he didn't tell them to do this, but the students did this as an example. Some didn't, right? But used it as he was giving his lecture to ask follow-up questions. What does this mean? What did he say? Can you expand on this more? And you know what that did? It stopped the questions from people who were behind the rest of the class, allowed them to catch up and continue the flow of the class to be smoother and less interruptive so they could cover more topics and be more educated by the end of it. And that's just one example. That's cool. So that's, that's the idea, right? Like the, what we need to be teaching our kids is not, and this is obviously my opinion, right? It's controversial. You can yell at me later or whatever, or in the comments if you want, but like, we don't need to have our kids memorizing things. We need to be teaching them critical thinking. Oh, we had this discussion last night at dinner, about what we learned in school and the math and all that kind of stuff and history and all this stuff that you can find on the internet now. And what we should be teaching our children is exactly that, critical thinking, problem solving, stuff that you take this stuff and how do you use it? Because um, that's what's going to happen, Susan. Like you're looking oh. at these prompts, right? You're going to type in a prompt into an AI and you're like, that sucks. I don't like that. 
How do I make it better? Critical yeah. thinking. Why did it give you a result you didn't like? Because you prompted it the wrong way. Let's rewrite the prompt and make it better. The future is critical yeah. thinking and the yeah. command of the English language. Just because you want to start a business and you ask AI to do it, it doesn't, they give you all the answers, but who ends up implementing it? Okay. How do you implement it? Those type of thought patterns that I think we've been saying that in colleges and schools all along is real time practice rather than book learning. We're going to this next step and this isn't going to go away. So everybody can whine about, oh, it's going to change the world. The internet changed the world. Your telephones, electricity changed the world. It's what you do with it and how to use it that will change the world in the right way. Absolutely. That's my opinion. <laughs> no, I 100% agree with you. And that's the, it, but the problem is the people who are, and again, everybody, almost everybody in the whole world with everything that new comes out is resistant to change. We don't like it. We hate it. Yeah. Whatever. I may be an aberration. I love it and thrive on it. But, but that's the thing is this is going to force you to change. Because, and we were talking about this the other day. I was talking about this actually with my girlfriend. So my girlfriend works at a hospital and she, and we were talking about AI, right? And she was saying government bureaucracy is so slow at insert blank, right? But we're just talking about hospitals now, right? Whether you're in the US or Canada or wherever else, government bureaucracy is slow. And so her debate or point to me was that it's going to take 10, 20 years for this to be adopted at hospitals to where it can take. And you've seen Microsoft companies and other companies have it where it can summarize doctors, patient notes already. And they're like, these are, it's being implemented in hospitals to make record keeping more efficient, to generate charts, to do things that just save doctors paperwork time so they can spend more time with their patients, which is a great outcome. But back to her argument, just for this whole thing, right? So her argument was it's going to take the bureaucracy 10 to 20 years. And so my counterpoint was, and I don't know if I'm going to be right. I certainly know nothing about doctors in the medical field, but this is how I see it. I said to her, I said, you know, what's going to happen is there going to be early adopters of this AI technology. Let's just pick on, I'm from Ohio, right? So the Cleveland Clinic, okay? One of the leaders in cancer research in the United States. Let's pretend, and I don't know if they are or aren't, that Cleveland Clinic is one of the early adopters of AI. What is going to happen? And it already exists, by the way, where there's an AI that can replace a radiologist that can diagnose cancer in a picture with 99% accuracy. It already exists and it is going through approval at the FDA right now. So what happens when the hospitals that adopt AI can predict, solve, and treat and prevent cancer with 98% accuracy and the ones who don't only have 77% or make up a number? Yeah. People are going point, your patients are not only switching hospitals, but at what point does the board of your hospital go, what are we doing? And then all of a sudden it like, there's too much pressure for, I don't want to go to this hospital and die. I'd rather go to this one and have a 20% higher chance of being cured of cancer. Yeah. No, I, it's going to push that envelope. Um, and it's not, go ahead. Finish. No, I was going to say for those who see this as a tool that to make it better and adopt it are going to be way ahead. And the rest are going to be left behind either trying to catch up or irrelevant. And to be sure there are, thousands of unknown questions in that scenario, right? And we continued our discussion and had a lot of those, right? What about insurance? Does that mean rich people can afford AI and poor people can't? Do insurance companies pay for it? Do they not pay for it? Obviously, we don't have all those answers, but I really firmly believe if an AI can diagnose cancer as it already can, we've discussed, and it will only get better at, right? Then that 
is a whole lot cheaper of a test to do than paying a radiologist to sit there and analyze it and do the charts and take weeks to get back to you, which means very quickly the cost of that test is going to come down and insurance companies are going to be more willing to pay for that test than they are for the radiologist, which in my mind makes it more accessible to everybody on an equal plane. Yeah. And don't you think it will, it will misdiagnose things? I, I'm sure at some point, but part, more accurate than a doctor. Like that's what I'm saying. I think it's going to be a lot more accurate than a doctor. And then it and it's not because the doctor isn't good. It's because the doctor is human. It's human. You're, you got eyes, you got distractions, you got a lot of different things going on. So early prevention, because it's now available a lot easier for people, a lot cheaper. And the misdiagnosis and malpractice and all that, all the costs should come down. Wait, think about, like your girlfriend said, the paperwork with the government and stuff like that. If you streamline that, the cost you would think would go way down. Now, people are saying this is replacing people. But the thing is, there's a case to be made that, yes, it replaces the job you hold now, but there's nothing to say that you can't go into this type of field and be and create jobs. It's going to create so many jobs. For sure it is. And it's not going to get rid of jobs right away. What it's going to do is make people much more, like it might get rid of radiologist jobs. I'm sorry, radiologist. But it's going to, for the most part, it's going to make people much more productive. Yeah. And that may mean in some cases people need less of a certain person, but I don't think it's going to immediately resolve in the firing or layoffs of people. Now, the economic conditions might change that. I might be wrong. But I think as a broad, most use case scenario, that's not going to happen. But eventually what's going to happen is the people who have played with this AI and know how to prompt it and interact with it and use it are going to keep their jobs. And the ones that haven't are going to lose. Them. And exactly. the ones that haven't are the ones who are going to be like, oh, now I guess I have to adapt and learn it. Yeah. Isn't this like, when's the, last, yes. when's the last time you heard of somebody being a blacksmith? But that's what you you're, you're being given. Like right now, it's all over YouTube. It's everywhere. This is your chance. This is the same reason that like, I don't feel sorry if you're a truck driver. I'm sorry. I don't. Yeah. Like you have had the last at least decade knowing that autonomous trucking is coming. What have you done for 10 years to learn a new skill or to like, you've known that your job is being threatened for 10 years. Yeah. And if you are still a truck driver who can't do anything else, and I'm not saying that like most truck drivers are multi-skilled. I understand that. I'm not lumping anybody into a bag. But if you are just one of those people who can't and you end up losing your job as a result of that, you really don't have an excuse or a right to complain. Now, you're not going to have as much ramp up period with AI. It's going to come way faster than 10 years. Yeah. And then they've been working at this for a long time behind the scenes. It's just because it's become they've not perfected, but because they've gotten it to a point where they can send it out to the masses. Yeah. Now it's the big topic, but they've been working on this for, oh my God, a long time. Yeah. We've been playing with it since 2019, 20. Yeah. Two and three came out. So it's been here and it's ready, but the, it just wasn't, we were waiting for that moment with the public consumer. Yeah. And, we, and we said this before, this is the, fa this is the fastest growing software program in the history of humankind. Yeah. By January of this year, which is I'm, almost four months ago now. So who knows what the number is now? They had a yeah. hundred million users in two months. It took Facebook four years to get there. 
It took Instagram two years. It took TikTok nine months. In two months, they had 100 million people chatting with ChatGPT. Now that I've got access to it, and once somebody does have access to it and they see what it can do, it just, it's mind-blowing. I had to write funny. I'm not a good writer. I'm just one of my weakest skills known, and I used to have like ghost writers and stuff to write things to me or for me. Now I just write the way I normally write, and then I put it in GPT, and I said, okay, make this sound a little bit more elegant or more professional or whatever. And it takes my words and just replaces like with more sophisticated words and come out the other end. And I'm like, that's it. I don't have to ask anybody to edit for me anymore. Yeah, I may have to tweak it a little bit. You know, it will format for you. If you play with it, you'd use it. I use it at least once a week for business, at least. That I write something. The team uses this like every day. Yeah. Every day we're finding new use cases for it. Yeah. It's just incredible because, and even if I can't get my head around what I want to say, I just put my thoughts in there, which are just rambling in a way. And for some reason it figures it out or at least hones it in that I can narrow it even more. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I wanted. It's kind of like talking to somebody and bouncing it off a wall. (laughs) And so let's spend the next couple of minutes with some, I have to refresh my memory, but some of the other ways that this is not just the chat GBT thing, which I think is a big problem for some people who think it's just a chat bot. Like how much can it really change society? It's not. It is actually a, it's called a large language model or an LM. You're just seeing it in one example interface of sitting there in a chat box because that's all you've been exposed to. So here you can see that it's being used in Bing as their new search engine. Google is frantically panicking about this and has released Google Bard because they fell behind. So they're trying to catch up to this stuff. But this is the same thing you saw in ChatGPT, except it's connected to the internet and it's Bing search. So let's do some research, Susan. Give me an example of something you might spend hours looking for on Google search. Oh, God. Find me a campground with 100 miles of Phoenix, Arizona with a four to five star rating. How about that? Arizona. Oh, no. We'll just say a five star rating. Or you got four star. You can see there's a little bit of controls up here, right? You can make it more, we probably should have made it more precise, more informative and all that kind of stuff. So this is powered. So I found some campgrounds near Phoenix, Arizona. They have a five-star rating. Here are some options, Sunrise RV Resort, Butterfield RV Resort, Voyager, and then it links to, so this one it pulled from Good Sam, Sunrise RV Resort, campgroundsrvlife.com. And then there's three more citations here, RV Life again, RV Share, and Voyage Camper Vans. That's really cool. They did that at the bottom of where they got that information from. So then you can click through to them, right? If I want, if I decide I want more information, then I just click through and I can see the result of it looked for 370 results in Arizona in this case, right? But so you can see all that stuff. And so there's a couple key takeaway points here. Number one is the in, then you can do this for any kind of research, right? It's the same thing as a Google search. So one, you're going to get a better answer. You're going to get an answer quicker. And you're going to have it be able to search multiple sources much faster. You're also going to be able to verify that information. And normally, a list of people like here's here's Good Sam and here's this one, and you have to click each one. But here it took everything. But so then here's the here's the other question, right? What if I'm a campground owner with a campground near Phoenix and I'm not listed here? 
So this is a really key. We're not going to have time to go into on this episode, but you better be paying attention to this as a campground owner because this is already released. It is coming fast. And again, you're going to be able to talk to it on speakers. You're going to be able to drive down the car, drive down the road in your car or your RV, whether it's on your phone or your watch or eventually built into your Tesla or your right Airstream or whatever it is. You're going to be able to drive down the road and you're going to be able to say, man, I'm feeling tired tonight. I'd like to stop in the next hour. Can you tell me what campgrounds are up ahead of me? And if you're not on that list because you didn't SEO optimize your website, because you thought that website design didn't matter and you hired the kid off Fiverr, if you like all of that stuff, they're not even going to be given an opportunity to see you in a listing more. Because they're people are going to get past those three. They're not even going to get to your billboard. Yeah. Billboard on the road, but they just asked the AI 45 minutes ago before your billboard was visible and they already have a plan by the time they saw it. Yeah. They're not even looking for billboards anymore. Nope. So that's one use case example of real world stuff. Let's see. I don't know what else. Let's do image generation, right? So we should do oh, that. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. That's really interesting. Instead of taking pictures, it'll create, you can ask it to create your picture of a family sitting around a campfire or something. I don't know. Yeah. So Dolly is the one that we showed you in the example there, but I don't believe that's the best one. I'm going to see if I can share my screen here if it'll let me. Well, there's one my kids okay. use and they come up with the most insane. We use Mid Journey is what we use at our establishment. They use, but it's like, let me do images and I'm like, what is this? So you can see, but you have to learn how to, this is just like writing. Can you see oh. that? Oh, I would turn this on. Well, there uh, you this, go. This is just like writing, right? You have to know how to prompt this AI. Right. This is not a situation where you can just go in here and say, give me a photo, but it's not going to replace artists. It's going to change artists workflow. It's going to change photographers' workflows. Nothing's ever going to replace taking an actual picture of a campground or something specific. It's just not going to happen because it can't make up something. It may happen one day, but it's not going to happen anytime soon, I don't think. But if you know how to prompt it, again, if you're a photographer and you know how to use things, right? And we have our graphic designers working on this, a vibrant and captivating photograph of Ontario's new provincial park. We're not going to use this, but we just played around with it with a modern campground article this morning. Showcasing the lush, unspoiled backcountry landscape under a clear blue sky, the image features dense forests, pristine lakes, and rugged terrain that exemplify the park's natural beauty and untamed wilderness. The photograph is taken using a, and here's your photography knowledge, Canon EOS 5D Mark IV camera paired with an EF 1635 F 2.8, 3USM whatever lens, right? ISO of 100, shutter speed, whatever else. You have to be a photographer to know that stuff. Yeah. But it's, the AI is going to listen to you. And so these are the four results it gave us. Which are these are, like these are, you don't know these are fake. Yeah. Like there, and then you can come down here and say, I really like number this one with the little lily pads and you can upscale it. And in seconds, it will upscale it. And there's your image right there. There's not a chance. 99.999% of the people in the world will ever look like, I don't even, I don't even think anybody could really look at it and say, that's not real. Yeah, no, it looks absolutely perfect. You can do this. You think about if you look at, there was a thing, a social media post that went viral with the Pope a couple of weeks ago, where the Pope was in like some puffer coat or something with his cross out over it, like bling or something. And it went viral and millions of celebrities were sharing it all over Twitter. They thought it was real because they didn't know. And, and then I remember like way a couple of weeks ago before 
Mr. Trump was charged with his charges, there was somebody on Twitter who generated images of Trump fake getting arrested that weren't real. Yeah. And they looked like he was running down New York Street with the cops chasing him and all kinds. And he was bring up arrest. Good and point too. And that's what people are saying. That's the dangerous side of some of this. So you thought you watched news before. Now, you know, how do you distinguish between real news and fake news? The, the answer is that you still have to, the answer is teaching our kids critical thinking, number one. Regardless of what political spectrum, the answer is teaching critical thinking. But you have to know, and I guess we're five minutes, so we'll end with this. I didn't get to as many tools as I wanted, but I don't know. We'll see. But you have to be able to do critical thinking, and you have to be able to understand that this stuff is possible. You have to know it is here and available. Like right now, in 30 seconds, do you have kids, Susan? I do. They're grown. So let's just pretend for a second, right? I don't know how old you're. Let's... Okay, grandkids. They're little. They're 14. Yeah, it doesn't what age they are, right? So right now, like if your kids and 98% of them do have a TikTok or a Snapchat or a Facebook or an Instagram and they yep. post videos about themselves talking, I can take that video and in 30 seconds upload it to an AI and I can make an almost flawless clone of your kid's voice. And then I can have them call you on the phone and ask you for money. Yep. And I can even program that AI to know everything they've posted on Snapchat recently so that it has an idea of how it would respond to its mom in a conversation. And you better believe if you're falling for a Kenya email that's misspelled, there's a ton of people that are going to fall for that. Right. Don't know that's possible. You're in trouble. Yeah, that's really scary because you look at the elderly that falls for all that stuff now. And now you have this next generation of, with anything, with everything in life, if the good uses and the use, they use it for evil. You can't get around that. But yeah, yeah. And I think- There's not that, a reason, like you can't just say, we're not going to use AI or we need to ban right. AI. There's, and I saw a great, I can't remember the guy who, who did it on YouTube, but he gave four great examples of the four types of people that we're dealing with. And I'm going to paraphrase these probably badly, right? But there are the people who completely ignore it and don't want to learn it, which is- most of society right now, right? Until they're forced to do something, they don't want to do it because they don't like change. But the people who ignore it, the people who want to ban it, which does absolutely no good at all because yeah. you, it's out of the box. Like, what do you think the US is going to ban it or Texas is going to ban it or China's just going to stop? Right. You can't do that. The, per- the country who wins ultimate artificial intelligence, the rest of us are in trouble. So you better hope the U.S. and Canada and wherever we all live respectively is moving as fast as they can on this stuff and you want to support them. And then I can't remember what the third one was. But then then he said the fourth one was the people who are like me, right, who are early adopters or the 100 million people who tried chat GPTs. It's not just me. I'm not special. But those are the people who are going to be prepared for the future. And everybody thinks I've had so many people look at me like, you're nuts. You're crazy. It's never going to move this fast. I had people look at me in January who didn't think there was never, there's never going to be a job for a prompt engineer. And they're all over the place and they're paying $300,000 a year to be a prompt engineer and talk to AI. Yeah. This is moving at such a rapid pace. Like one of good examples, my son works for a top fortune. I think it's top 10 companies in the country or in the nation. And I can't name the names. He just met with the CEOs, the C-level suite people, and he's talking. They're like, oh, I heard all this stuff on 
uh, 60 minutes and everybody's talking about it. My son's yeah. like, this is what's coming and this is how you need to implement it. And they're like, ah, it's just a fad. That's what they keep on saying. It's just a fad. <laughs> My son's like, it's not a fad. If you do not accept this, you know, you're going to be on the outside looking in and he Those sees- companies will be out of business in five years. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy that they're just thinking it's a fad. I don't know if people are just not, if they don't, they're putting on those blinders because they don't want to see it. Well, or the interesting thing, like it depends on what you're talking about. So this is the key to context, right? Chat GPT, and we've seen some of this in studies. Like I was watching a video of Neil Patel, who's a good SEO guy, who's saying we've seen some studies of people that we've, our clients who've interacted with Chat GPT. There's like a X percentage is pretty high, like a 60%. I never use it again type thing after I've experimented with it or, or a day. Because people's attention spans are too short. They have too much time. They have whatever, right? But it's not just chat GPT. It is voice assistance. It's going to be in your car. It's AI art generation. You can do text to video now. You can edit videos with AI. You can, they, they put GPTs, they put 25 GPT agents, right? Into a video game simulation like The Sims. Well, had them interact with each other. And they played a whole day without any interaction where they actually talked to Somebody and then one of the AIs planned a Valentine's Day party and decided to send out invitations and send them to half the town and not the other town. And then one of them actually got the invitation to the Valentine's Day dance and went and asked one of the other AI agents out on a date to the Valentine. It's yeah. human it, level stuff. Yeah, it writes in Her video world. games everywhere. What? what? Like everything. everywhere. Yeah. And this is just. It's not just the chat bot. So back to yeah. the boardroom point, right? Like chat GPT, that interface for right this very second might be a fad. If you define a fad as like it went up and then it went down a little bit and now it's, but that's not, it's not like crypto. This is for, this is crazy. Yeah. So those campgrounds and any business owner out there should be very aware of paying attention and getting on the front edge of how this can be used. And it's not a situation like in the past, right? Where you deal with, they have to learn Facebook. That's complicated and it requires a tech background and I hate it and I don't want to be on social media and whatever. The benefit to this is it is it may be a chore to learn it in the beginning, which isn't really a high bar because everybody can text message on their phone, right? Then you can talk to AI. You may not be able to prompt like me or Susan's son or whatever, right? But you're yeah, gonna I'm not, yeah, I'm not a big person, but like I said, I just put a bunch of stuff in there and sure, sure enough. For example of the management company. The well, benefit to you doing this right now is that you can save so much of your own time. Facebook didn't give you that benefit. Nothing else that we've preached over the last 50 years has ever given you that benefit. Some things have, right? If you have a steep learning curve, like a CRM or whatever, right? Wow. But this is a very short path to saving literally hours of your day and then redirecting it to whatever you want, whether that's better customer service or spending more time with your families. Well, or... there's companies that will implement these things for you. That's the new market that's going to come out of this. For sure it is. We're already doing it. It's a Duras for 24-7. Yeah. You should see the crazy things that we're doing at, at Insider Berks. With automations, I've saved probably my team 130 hours a week already. And yeah. no one's getting fired. They're all still working for me, but they're doing things that are more fun to them. I figured out the other day, there's a woman who works for me named Russell. I figured out the other day, this woman went to journalism school to be a writer. 
And she actually has had a lifelong dream of being able to learn and code in Python. But she was never able to do it because she couldn't go to school for it for a long reason that we won't get into, right? She went to journalism school instead. But because of the ability for me to save 30 hours of her week previously QCing something that no longer has to be QC'd because I can have a grammar checker AI do that. Now she has the ability for me to say Python is really important to AI and it's going to be important to this company. So let me go out and find a resource and I will pay you to do what you never could before the rest of your life. Your people and dealerships and stuff can be interfacing with their customer, customers more because it's right. free all the time. There's just, yeah, there's endless possibilities. Every, literally everything is different. Yeah. Everything is different. The answer for what you want to do in your day that makes you valuable and productive is different for every single employee of my team. And so how we're able to, to let them do what they love to do is going to be different for every single person. But the future is extreme personalization too from the consumer side. Like you're talking about from a dealership and we got to go, we're over, but we probably talk forever, but I'm sure you have important things I do, but I'm sure you do, Susan. I love that. But it's extreme personalization, right? It's under, like, think about when you check into a hotel and that hotel asks you, do you like down or feather pillows? Are you allergic to down? Do you like to be near the elevator or not near the elevator? Do you have kids? Do you have pets? Imagine taking all that stuff including interests, right? I'm an outdoor person and I like hiking. And then that hotel can send a confirmation email to you generated by AI that says, thanks for booking with us, Sandy. We're so glad that you're coming here with your kids and your dog. Here's a dog park that's nearby. Here's a playground for your eight and six-year-old kids who's nearby. Here's a hiking trail that you'll love for sure. Everybody gets a different confirmation email. That's doable today. I can do that today. Yeah. So. It's a really interesting, fascinating world. I appreciate everybody watching and tolerating our impromptu AI discussion. It certainly would have been way more boring without Susan here to just read, talk and form and interject. But I no, I keep on learning more and more about it. So thank you for watching it through it. I can't stress enough how important this is. And how amazing it is. It just And you just again, I'm probably gonna deal with the next year or two years of where people are just still skeptical. And think I'm nuts. But I'm telling you, by the time you realize that I'm not crazy, I'm going to be so far ahead of you, you'll never be able to catch me. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, that's okay. I'm having fun. So, all right. Thank you guys for joining us for another episode of MC Fireside Chat. Super appreciative of you. I did forget because it was a weird thing. And I should say this. I don't have the graphic in here, but we are sponsored by Access Parks today. Apologies, Access Parks. Great. Fantastic. So if you don't know, if you've got a campground or an RV park, they are really high speed, super crazy fast, big, huge company that works for the national parks and all kinds of people. I think they're working with KOA now or they're about to at some of their parks and things. Just if you want really powerful, high speed internet access at your hotels or sorry, your campgrounds, national, maybe they do hotels too. I don't know. I'll give them a little shout out, right? Then definitely reach out to Tim, to Scott, to their sales team. They're at trade shows. I think they're probably down at Taco now, maybe. But all around, like great guys, great service, very reliable. And we're very thankful of them for sponsoring this episode of the fourth week of the RV industry. So thanks, guys. I appreciate you. And we will all see you next week, right? On another episode of hopefully with guests this time. Cross <laughs> our fingers. Otherwise, thanks. it will be more AI. Cool. Thanks, Susan. I appreciate your willingness to be adaptable to me. And we'll see you next time. Talk to you soon. 
Thanks for watching this episode of MC Fireside Chats, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. Have a suggestion for a future show or want to see your campground or company as part of an episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Join us next week for another episode. And don't miss the latest outdoor hospitality news and commentary from around the world at moderncampground.com.